you know, the Great Wall of China, that's been up for 2,000 years, and they haven't had any issues with, never mind, and uh, <laughs> wrong continent. Uh, with, uh, yeah. So is this recorded yet? So uh, um, you, can have the, you can have the Great Wall of China, but if you had a bunch of gates going through the Great Wall of China without, without, a, without the doors on the gates, you know, it's not going to do you much good. And we looked at that the last couple of weeks and the gates in our life. And uh, that's really neat, neat little study here. But we're going to move on tonight, Nehemiah chapter 3. And we're going to look through the, in the entirety of chapter 3 because there's some other little tidbits all the way through this chapter. The 133rd Psalm, very first verse, we know this Psalm. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And there's a lot said today about unity and diversity, right? Everybody wants equity and diversity, and, and it's coming into the college campuses. It's coming, showing up on, in police departments and political parties and, and workplaces and sports teams, and the list goes on and on. Now it's Chick-fil-A, you know. They made this big statement that they're going to make sure they have diversity and inclusion and, and uh, empowerment and all of these things, and they have a whole czar. I, I use the word czar. That's probably not what they use to uh, make sure they accept all, uh, you know, races and creeds and genders and and ideologies and this and that. And people are pretty shocked. And it is a weird thing, all of these companies jumping on board. I mean, it's just really strange. And uh, um, I had no intention of going into this at all tonight. But um, it's fascinating to me if you go back into... The book of Daniel, I have lost a chapter. Well, anyway, I mean, it says that it's speaking of the Antichrist. And it says he'll not have regard for women. And I've often wondered if the Antichrist would be a homosexual. And we have a huge push for this right now, worldwide. A push of not just coming out of the closet, a push for acceptance of it, of validating it. Of now, it's the new civil rights. You're wrong for for um, for being um, uh, racist, not racist, but um, whatever the word is, uh, anti, you know, homosexual. And they're, they're likening it to to um, you know the the race issues back in the early parts of our country. It's like, well, yeah, you're you can't change how you're born with your race. And I'm sorry, you're not born this with this problem. Okay, it's two different things. But um, diversity and unity, they're pushing for diversity. They're pushing all over the place to, for di- diversity. If any of these institutions, any of these things don't have diversity, well, lo and behold, they're going to make sure uh, it is a diverse environment and they're going to create it no, no matter what that means, no matter what the means may be. They're going to create diversity, right, on the college. They bring, they bring professors into colleges that have have no qualification whatsoever, but because they fit the quota of diversity, they're going to bring them in. And it's just, it's a really bizarre thing that's going on. But when you look closer into it, you understand what they're doing, right? When diversity is the goal, let me say this, when diversity is the goal, unity really isn't possible. I want you to think about that. When diversity is the goal, unity isn't possible. Because the focus is backwards. And I'm gonna, I'll show you that here in just a minute, right? 
When unity is the goal, it naturally creates diversity. Because think about this, right? To have unity be unified, unity, what's that mean? You have diverse things that are coming together to, to agree on one thing. So unity itself means that there's diversity. But watch, but the goal is unity first, and diversity becomes a byproduct, you see? And this is the age-old problem of making a goal out of a byproduct. You, we don't, you don't do that in your life. You don't make goals out of byproducts because they're backwards, right? So many people, um, you, know, the, you know, they make a goal out of byproduct in their salvation and say, well, well, I don't want to go to hell, which is a fine reason to want to be saved when the, the, you, you, maybe you, you're presented with the gospel and you understand who you are and that you're outside of Christ and, you know, hell gets preached on. And yeah, absolutely. But some people look at it as it's, it's, a, it's a fire escape. That's all it is. It's a fire escape. And that's making a goal out of the byproduct. What is the goal? Our goal is to be reconciled back to our creator who loves us, right, who gave himself for us. You know what that's like? It's kind of like walking into a house that's on fire, not liking the smell of smoke. So you get out a bunch of scented candles and light around the house to get rid of the smoke smell. It's like, Bubba, put the fire out. Right? Yeah, they've made a goal out of a byproduct. And so anyway, and it's, it's, what I'm saying is unity should be the goal, right? Unity is the goal that we have. A fractured institution can't really accomplish anything, which is why this diversity push is going on. Because I will say it, I know it's recorded, and, and maybe people would say it's not, it doesn't have place in a church service, but really it does because communism is atheistic and anti-God. And what is going on in our nation is a push for a communist country. We're having a communist takeover. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's, there, there's so many similarities and I, I need to brush up myself on it, but there's so many similarities with the Bolshevik Revolution just going on here. And how do they divide and conquer? Oh, diversity. We need to be diverse. We need to be diverse. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, that he knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself uh, is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So what's the goal according to God? Well, unity, not diversity. Unity. And uh, when they push diversity, what they're really pushing is disunity. Right? I want you to notice the difference between diversity and unity. Diversity focuses on differences. Right? We just want you here because you're different. Not because we like you. Not because we think you add anything to the, to the group. Not we think, because we think you're going to do something great here. Just because you're different. We want you here. But unity focuses on the likenesses. On the, likened, on the, on the same uh, likened goal, I guess you could say. A company, hires, a company is making uh, widgets and they hire somebody uh, who doesn't care about widgets, but they're just diverse, so we hire them. And what happens? Well, they don't do their job and the company suffers for it. Well, they bring somebody in who loves widgets. And he's the best widget person on the planet. And what happens? Well, he has the same unified goal. And, well, you know what happens? Why? He really helps the company. And they make the better widgets. You know what I'm talking about, right? Widgets. You're like, what's a widget? Whatever you want it to be, right? Okay. Diversity says, I have value. Unity says, our similar goal has value. Diversity says, I can. Unity says, we can. We can. 
So really, you can, di- you can really define diversity, I think, the push, the, the wrong focus on diversity. I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but there's a reason for it. But I think you can, you can uh, uh, name diversity, you can put it under one heading, which is humanism. And what is humanism? Well, the end of all being is the happiness of man. That's humanism. Everything revolves around my goals, my happiness, uh, what I want to do, right? That's humanism. And it, it manifests itself all sorts of ways. So, and this is why politicians exploit diversity. Because it speaks to the basest love of mankind, which is self. Self. People love diversity. Oh, it's wonderful. We need diversity. Yeah. Because it just it just panders to our self-idolatry. Yeah. And so this is why God doesn't focus on diversity, but he focuses on unity. Unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, we're all a body in here tonight. We're a body. Uh, almost everybody in here is a member of the body here. But we also are brethren right, as well. Uh, and we're to be dwelling in unity as a body. If your foot wants to go left, your, your right foot wants to go left, and your left foot wants to go right, you're going to have a problem. Right? <laughs> okay. It happens. The older I get, I've noticed it happens more. <laughs> and uh, I need to go get new glasses, I think. So we're talking about unity. In our passage tonight, here in Nehemiah chapter 3, we're going to see how a diverse group of people came together for one common unified purpose. We're going to see how much was accomplished. And we're not going to see that tonight, but we'll notice later. Many of you have read through through Nehemiah many, many times. You knew how fast they got the wall built up. But it was because of unity. It was because they had one main goal and one focus and one reason for, for being there. Despite their diversity, because there was great diversity here, but they kept their eyes on one goal. Right? And what do you know? There's unity there. You know when churches have trouble? When people get their eyes on different goals. I've said this to my wife. I've noticed this in my short time in ministry. I've noticed when you show up at a church with an agenda, you'll leave the church with your own agenda. But people who come with an agenda, they don't come to help the body. They come with an agenda. And what they find out here is, well, you're not here for your agenda. We're a unified body. And I'm sorry you want the church to be this, right? I'm sorry that you want this to happen. I'm sorry that, you you know, but that's not what we're about. You'll have to find somewhere else to do that. Or, you know, the better thing, go start your own. See how that goes. <laughs> right? Yeah, it happens. It happens. And, and what's the problem? Because they come with their own, their own agenda and it, brings, uh, it, it breaks the unity in the body. I'm not saying we all agree on everything, right? I'm not saying that. Because uh, unity does not mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. We're not all alike, are we? 
but we we should all agree on the same major things of the Word of God. And I and I would contend this: all doctrine is major. I really, this is oh man, we're never going to get out of here tonight. I better hurry up. This is one of my uh, little pet peeves with the word fundamental. Fundamentalism. It became ecumenical. Because Methodists, Presbyterians, blah, blah, we all, we all agreed on fundamentals, the fundamentals of the faith, as if the rest of the Bible didn't matter, but matter but the five solas of Scripture, but the five fundamentals of the faith. No, it's all, it's all, we believe all of it. It's all important. It's all the Word of God. And so what people began to do, all these different groups who shouldn't have been unifying because they had very different doctrine on other areas were unifying under the fundamentals and then they started calling themselves fundamentalists and so they identified with each other as either orthodox or fundamentalists and it's like no we are a traditional biblicist we're a baptist church right we're a traditional baptist church and we believe the bible and we try to um, as much as possible live by the word of god and um, so anyway that was all free we are not going to get through this i better hurry up here we go. Diversity. I want to show you the diversity in chapter 3 of Nehemiah. Look at this verse 1. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set the doors of it, and even unto the tower of Maah, they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananil. Do you remember what we noticed last week about the sheep gate? This is where the sheep were brought in for the sacrifices, right? This is talking about, we called it the salvation gate. It's the gate that everybody comes in by the blood of Christ. You know, we have the blood of the, 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 the where the where the the sheep are brought in for the Passover sacrifice. Notice who's taking care of this. The high priest. Well, that's fitting, isn't it? He's like kind of taking care of the area of the wall and the area of the gate that pertains to his role in 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 Israel here as a high priest. I like that. I don't want you. To, I don't. Don't lose that because we're gonna. We're just save that here. We'll, we'll get back and put all this together here a little bit later. But Elijah, the high priest, were working with his other with the other priests to to do this to to take care of the area of the sheep gate and those around. Look at verse seventeen. We're going to see another group of people come in here in verse seventeen. Look at this. And after him repaired the Levites. Raham, the son of Bani, next to him repaired Heshabiah, the ruler of the half part of Kila, in his part. So now we have the Levites. They repaired the wall between the sepulcher of David over to the armory at the turning of the wall. The Levites, what were those? They, they had all had everything they had to do with the temple, with the, with the worship, the Levites. Aaron and Moses, they were the tribe of Levi, they were Levites. Right, So you have Eliashib, you have the high priests who were Levites. Now you have the other Levites. Now look at verse 22. Verse 22. And after him repaired the priests, the men of the plains. So here we have Eliashib, the high priest. We have the Levites. We have the priests. And verse 28, look at also in verse 28. From above the horse gate repaired the priests, everyone over against their house. Not only did they repair the section of the wall after Eliashib's house, but they repaired the wall by their own house. So we see the high priests are taking care of this wall that pertain to their responsibility that God gave them. 
And here you see the priests that are uh, taking care of other things, but they're also taking care of the wall that pertain to where they live. You see in this? So we have preachers and priests that are taking care of the wall. But notice, secondly, we have politicians. Politicians are working on the wall? Yes. In unity. Look at verse 9. And next to him repaired Rephiah, Rephaiah, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. Look at verse 12. And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halohesh, uh, the ruler of half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. Look at verse 14. But the dung gate repaired uh, Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of beth Hakarim. He built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Verse 15. The gate of the fountain repaired Shalom, the son of uh, Kolhoza, the ruler of the part of Mizpah, he built it and covered it and set up the doors or of the locks or of the bars or of and the wall of the pool of Siloah by the king's garden and uh, unto the stairs that go down from the city of David. Look at verse uh, 16. After him built Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, the ruler of half part of Bethzer unto the place over against the sepulcher of David and to the pool that was made unto the house of the mighty. Verse 17, we have Hashabiah. Verse 18, we have Bavai. Verse 19, we have Ezer. This is really incredible, actually. Because there are more politicians working on the wall, more people that, are, that have roles in the government that are working on the wall than anybody else. So we have preachers and priests. We have politicians who are working on the wall. Think about it. A bunch of politicians building a wall. That doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> nope. We have found out half of them don't like it. Right. I don't know if we've ever seen a group of politicians this unified on anything. But here they are. Preachers and priests and politicians. Notice another group here. Number three, we see these tradesmen. Look at verse eight. <clears throat> Next unto him repaired Uziel, the son of uh, Harhaiah, Harhaiah, something like that, of the goldsmiths. Goldsmiths. Look also in verse eight, right? Goldsmith Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries, and they fortified Jerusalem under the broad walls. We have a goldsmith and, and a pharmacist, an apothecary, people that have trades. They're working on the wall. Politicians and priests and, and, and preachers and tradesmen. And then there's the non-classified. There's those that don't have a title or anything. There's nothing mentioned about their vocation. And this list is so long, we don't have time to go through it tonight. But, but uh, here are a few facts of this list of the unmentioned uh, people. There are 40 names that are mentioned in chapter 3. Right? There are five people groups that are named. We don't know anything else about them. We, they're not preachers, they're not priests, they're not politicians, they're not tradesmen. They just fall under the miscellaneous category here. There's Tekoites, men of Gibeah, men of Mizpah, inhabitants of Zenoah, and Nethanims, uh, Tekoites, again in verse uh, 27, and even the daughters got into the work in verse 12. They're all working on the wall. They're all laboring. Those in the ministry, those in the government, those in vocation, those that are unclassified, just the regular Joes, just the laymen sitting in the pew, right? Working. Look, they're all working on the wall. They're all laboring. Everybody 
has something to do. Watch this. It's a great diverse group, isn't it? We're not saying it's not diverse. We're not saying diversity doesn't exist. We're arguing that diversity should not be the goal. Now watch this. When unity is the goal, right, you're going to get diversity. Notice the diverse responsibilities that they have. <clears throat> Everybody was unified in rebuilding the wall. But it was a big wall, right? It was a big wall. It's a beautiful wall. The best wall you've ever seen. And many of the people needed to be utilized in specific areas to complete the task. Some, some rebuilt the part of the wall that pertained to their ministry. We're back to Eliashib, the high priest, rebuilt the sheep gate. Why? Because... That was where he ministered. Watch, it meant something to him. It was special to him. I mean, what a role, what a role he got to play in the sacrificing of the Passover lamb and sprinkling the blood upon the altar. That was a huge thing he got to do. You know what? He took that gate pretty serious. He goes, no, that's mine. I want to do that. Some rebuilt part of the wall, but they weren't given, it wasn't given any rhyme or reason why. They just, they didn't need a reason. They just showed up. It didn't have to, listen, it didn't have to make them feel good or bad. They just showed up. It didn't have to have meaning to them. They just showed up. Why? Because the body's working. So the whole body's working. My, my brother's a little different than I am. And, and maybe this scenario might have, I don't know. But uh, he, uh, they had a work night at church one night. He goes, I looked around. One of the families had gone home after church. He said, I called him. I said, where are you? Oh, oh, we went home. He says, don't do this again. We're all here working. Why would you go home? Oh, we're sorry. <laughs> he said, they didn't do that again. It's like, well, praise the Lord. Yeah, I mean, that's, the whole body's working together now, right? <laughs> not like they weren't able, they were able-bodied. They were young and able to do stuff, right? Uh, you don't have to have a rhyme or a reason. There's just work to do. And here we are given another group of workers those who rebuilt by their home. This is interesting. In verse 10, Jedediah rebuilt by his home. In verse 23, look what it says here. After him repaired Benjamin and Heshub over against their house. After him repaired Azariah the son of Meshiah, the son of Ananiah, by his house. Look at verse 28. From above the horse gate repaired the priests, every one over against his house. Zadok in verse 29 repaired uh, the son of Emmer over against his house, right? And here he is, Meshulam, verse 30. Meshulam, after him repaired Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf. Another piece, look at here it is. After him repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, over against his chamber. He was a renter. He didn't have a house. He's just renting a chamber, I think. <laughs> he didn't have much. He was just him. But it's still, wait, it was still his area. He was still cleaning up his yard, his place where he dwelt. Do you notice this? Everybody took a wall, a section of the wall, and focused on their work. Yeah. It became their, it, watch, it became their responsibility. They, they took it as their responsibility. Yeah. They took it as their reason to do it. So we have a diverse work of group, uh, a diverse group of workers. We have a diverse responsibilities, but number three, we have one goal. One goal. That's it. What was their goal? Yeah, 
rebuild the wall. Why? To keep the enemy out. How come? So we can worship God like he has told us to because here we are in captivity because of our sin and uh, this next generation coming up has realized it and wants to go back to the promise that God has given them. Yeah. And they just want to rebuild the wall. Why? The Messiah hasn't come yet. They still need to be there. Right? Israel still needs to be there. And there's a reason behind it. His one goal. One goal. Unity. Unity. Would you agree tonight that Crimson Avenue Baptist Church has one goal? What's our goal? It's not a trick question. It really, it's really simple. Absolutely. Great commission. Going into all the world, preach the gospel. Jesus gave that commission to the church, his church, not to individuals. It's just not the responsibility of one or two or five or 500. It's the responsibility of 144,000. It is a responsibility. If you're a member of a body, it's your responsibility. Yeah. To go out all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And like Jerusalem, you know what? We can't be effective when the walls are down. We cannot be effective when walls are in dis- disrepair. God can't do the work that he wants to do when, when the walls are broken down, when the gates are burned down. Uh, it, it, our use to God is limited. It's limited when the enemy has access to, to whatever part of our life or our church that he wants. Friend, we're going to be limited. When arrows are flying through the sky at you, you listen, friend, you're going into hiding you're not doing what you ought to do. So like Jerusalem, churches in America, including Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, we really need to take an inventory, I think, and inspect some walls. I saw a guy post on Twitter today. He said, what on earth are we coming to? He said, I just saw a photograph of a pastor with his wife at a beach, and she's in a bikini. He said, what are we coming to? Right? I mean, even if people did that 30 years ago, they were in some other country hiding and uh, wouldn't dare bring photos home and show everybody. And now it's just like they think it's normal. Right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. How many ladies do you know that would go out in public in their undergarments? But just because they have a different fabric, color, and, and pattern, then it's okay? That's bizarre, friend. That is how, that is how calloused and a, a lack of spiritual discernment we've come to. And uh, we have a lot of walls that are down. Absolutely. We absolutely do. And just like Nehemiah, we just need some men and women to rise up and rebuild. Are you going to rebuild the wall in somebody else's life in front of somebody else's house? No. The way you rebuild the wall is rebuild around you build what pertains to you. This is what they all did, didn't they? The priests, the preachers, the tradesmen, right? The no-namers. What did they do? They they repaired what pertained to them. They repaired what was around them. They repaired what was next to their house. Let me say it this way: They took care of their own backyard. Watch, when everybody takes care of their own backyard, the whole thing gets built. 
And you know what you don't have to worry about? I don't have to worry about Brother Earl's backyard. Aren't you glad? Right? I don't have to come rebuild your backyard. I've got to care about my own backyard. Right? I've got I to care about my own stuff. I don't, I don't have to worry about Chris's backyard. I couldn't handle that mess. I mean, do you even have a backyard? Okay. I don't, you know, no, listen, you don't have to worry about my backyard. I've got to worry about mine. No, this is so easy. It's so simple. Take care of your own life. Rebuild the wall where it needs to be rebuilt. Build the gates where they need to be built. And if we would all do that, we'd have a church that is fortified with a powerful wall and closed gates, and we could accomplish what God wants to accomplish without worrying about the enemy coming in and just destroying a bunch of stuff. I am always amazed how simple the Word of God is. It's so simple. It really is. What are walls for? Protection. What is our protection? Doctrine. Truth. That's a good wall, isn't it? We need to, we, we've looked at that in the past. So what are we doing many times? We are rebuilding the doctrine and the truth that should be ruling and governing our life. You know, if we'd let the Word of God rule our life, and live in a place of obedience. There's a lot less worry we'd have. Who builds? Well, anybody who'll get up and do it. Who builds the wall? Anybody who realizes the wall by their house is broken down. Who is doing the building? Anybody who looks out and goes, you know what, I go through this gate every day. Oh, I love this gate, but it's broke down. I better build that up. I better take care of that. Build what's closest to you. Build what is closest to you. What's closer to you, I, oh, I, I'm, I'm not just uh, uh, you know, stating like Captain Obvious here. What is closest to you isn't always closest to somebody else. Especially if they're way down the wall. You say, what do you mean? Is the wall of Bible, godly Bible music broken in your life? And you're creating an avenue. Listen, you're opening up an avenue for the enemy to get into your life through ungodly music. Well, what do you do? Well, rebuild right there. Just build that up. What do you do? Throw some stuff away. Right? Turn some other things on. You need help with that? Ask me. I'll tell you. I'll give you some good, good choices. Good choices. Yeah. Do you have some doctrinal issues that are a problem? We'll rebuild there. Take care of that, right? You have some, you know, the wall of separation, some separation issues in your Bible becoming worldly. Well, start start there. Is the evangelism part of the part of your wall broken down? Well, start there and build there. You see what I mean? Just rebuild where you are. Rebuild what's down. Rebuild what needs to be done. Many of these in chapter three built the wall that was right by their own house. Hey, we're a single body, a single body with many members. Each member has a place in the body. And when we rebuild where we are, right, the whole thing gets rebuilt. I've already said that. Rebuilding walls. Diversity. How do we get such great diversity? Unity. Unity. You know what? Diversity is not our goal here. 
Unity is our goal. Watch. And you know, you'll find there'll be a whole diverse group of people that will want the same thing that'll show up. They just want the Lord Jesus Christ. They just want the world to come to Christ. They just want people to get saved. They just want people to get grounded in the Word of God. And, and you know what happened? We'll be on the same page. We've got to start there. When we get on the same page, watch, we'll all be making sure the wall's where it ought to be so the enemy doesn't get in. Build your wall. Build your wall. Because it may be that the wall broken down in your life is creating a danger to the whole body. Yeah. Little lemon, lemon of the whole lump, the Bible says. Absolutely. You could be hurting the whole body. A lot, you know, the, uh, I mean, I can just pick, pick a name out of her. I can pick a name. Right. Let's, let's find a name. Uh, Azariah. Right. Here Azariah just left the wall by his house open and all the walls built. You know what happened? The enemies is just trotting right by Azariah's house with all of their gear. Yeah. How do these get in here, Azariah? Dummy won't build his wall. It's right by his own house. He doesn't even have to go walk to work. It's like Micah, you know, he, when he used to roll out of bed and go to the computer and work. You know, those, those were the days, right? Working from home. Yeah, Azariah could just rolled out of bed and built a wall. No, he didn't want to. Now we got the enemy, enemy within the entire wall. Yeah. So, build your wall. Let me encourage you tonight. I think we're all on the same page here tonight. I absolutely believe that. I believe everybody in this room has the desire to see the world come to Christ. I believe that. I have zero doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah, no doubt. Let's make sure you and I have the walls that are down. If there's any walls down in our life by us, let's make sure we take care of ours. Okay? And you know what? Let's, let's pray for one another. That we would all take care, everybody would take care of their own wall. And we'd encourage one another. Sometimes some people just need encouragement to build. Yeah. They want to build. Sometimes they just don't even know where to start. Have you ever gone, you just, uh, 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 the bonds have just moved, Right? And you look at your house full of boxes and you go, I don't even know where to start. Just boxes and stuff, right? And, and sometimes you go, we'll look at it tomorrow. Maybe I'll get a better idea. And then you're like, well, where's this and where's that? And you start pulling boxes open and, you got, and then you got all these boxes open, piled up. This is experience here. We've done it too many times, right? Yeah. And you just, you know what? You just leave there because you don't even know where to start. Sometimes somebody just needs to come along and help you and say, hey, why don't you start right there? That would be a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You got some walls down in your life and you need help in it? Seek help. Seek help. If the Bonds need help with their boxes? Yeah. I, I think Hunter's really good with boxes. He can come and help you out. Watch him. He's a klepto. He'll take stuff home, though. So that's a wall he needs to rebuild. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm joking. That was a total. That was out of the middle of nowhere. So, anyway, let's rebuild our walls, amen. Because Nixa needs the gospel. Have you ever noticed this in your life, when you when you've been dealing with some sin issue, right? How maybe you've been there before in the past, and you've dealt with some sin issue, and it's like your appetite for the gospel, for winning somebody, for seeing people come, it just goes away because you're so consumed. You can, people can be, you can become so consumed with your one little area of, of wall that needs to be rebuilt that it gets you off of the mission, right? 
And God's like, don't, we don't want to do that. We want to stay focused. Stay focused. You have, any, you have part of a wall that needs to be rebuilt? Start tonight, would you? Go home, get along with the, get along with the Lord and say, God, I need help. I want to rebuild this wall. It's down. It's affecting the whole body. It's got to be rebuilt. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to build it. And uh, God will help you to do it. Amen. He will. It will help the whole body. It absolutely will. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for the simple admonition here tonight of rebuilding walls. What a wonderful group. Let's, Father, would you help us to stay with the same goal here at Crimson Avenue? Let's keep the goal right in front of us. Uh, we have uh, thousands of people all around this church that need the gospel, that need to be saved. And Lord, help us not get sidetracked. And uh, if we have anything that needs to be taken care of tonight, would you work in our life tonight that we, we would put a stake in the ground tonight and just determine tonight that uh, it, this part of the wall that's by my house, I'm going to rebuild what's by my house. And Father, by your help and your aid, Lord, we'll do that. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Instrument's going to play. However, the Lord has spoken to you tonight. You have anything that need to be needs to be built in your life? You can get right down right right at the chair you're at, and you get down with God and just make a make a covenant tonight, right there at your chair. Sometimes I think there comes times in your life when you need to make a good vow and tell God, "I'm doing this. You'll help me, and I'm going to do it." Maybe you tonight. Whatever you need, whatever the Lord has been prompting you. Can anybody say God's showed me a little piece of a wall that I might need to look at here? Anybody have a wall? <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of things. That, yeah. And not listen, not one part of the wall is the same. They're all different rocks. And your part of your wall, it may not be even close to the same thing that's of my wall or anybody else's wall. It's just your own little part of the wall that needs to be worked on. He'll help you do it. the Holy Spirit has showed you something tonight, don't go to bed. Do not go to bed without getting alone with the Lord and really dealing with that and, and telling Him yes. And uh, He'll help you do that. But uh, it doesn't have to be anything horrible. It might be a little thing like a prayer life. It might be a little thing. And that's not a little thing, don't get me wrong. But some people think, oh, the wall's down. That means you're, out, you're an axe murderer or something, right? No. <laughs> no. Now, if you are an axe murderer, that's another issue, so talk about that later <laughs> all right as you saw the they've got the building in place they'll finish that up next tomorrow I mean I almost said next week uh, the concrete man told me uh, they should be out here at the end of the week start staking out for the parking lot and uh, once that starts going we need to make some